Stephen Farrer, who is head of learning and the co-founder and senior lecturer for the Center for Applied Jungian Studies and the executive member of the International Association of Jungian Studies. So Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Nikki. Um, thank you for inviting me onto the show today. And uh, I really look forward to participating in the show. And uh, it's great to be here. Listen, amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited to talk about these Jungian ideas, um, psyche, breaking it down. Because, of course, um, Stephen, everyone is having a very specific response to what's happening in our world. For some people, it's going to be anger that comes out. For others, it's going to be tremendous fear, tremendous sadness, or all of it involved. And we don't really ever stop and wonder, like, what's happening inside my internal world? Why am I reacting? this way? Is there a way to react differently to what this world is bringing me? So I hope we're going to be able to break some of that down, Stephen. Um, but before we get into that, let's just talk about Carl Jung, um, who he was, and why, why he's so relevant still today. Nikki, so, so Carl Gustav Jung is the founder of a branch of depth psychology, typically referred to as Jungian psychology, but technically the name is analytical psychology. Uh, he lived 18, uh, 1875 to 1961. And um, he's very significant. He's a very significant um, influence in uh, contemporary depth psychology. He was uh, an early sort of disciple and student of Sigmund Freud's, um, but eventually ended up breaking from Freud uh, over various theoretical differences. And I think what, what Jung brings, I mean, he brings a lot of very unique ideas uh, into the field of depth psychology, but, but, but specifically maybe to your point and, and to the theme that you want to discuss today is one of the ways we might characterize Jungian psychology as um, different from other schools of depth psychology is an emphasis by Jung that the unconscious uh, is not merely a kind of reservoir of trauma and shame and um, kind of, uh, you know, repressed uh, desires, etc. But also that it holds within it a um, the path to healing, the path to wholeness, uh, and the path to a fuller unfolding of the individual, and a uh, kind of more honest version of the individual and their participation in their communities and in the world. Um, not, not. I don't mean by that to kind of you know, I don't mean to sort of sanitize the process or make it sound overly positive. Of course, mm -hmm. it is a um, facing oneself and facing the unconscious, much like the difficulties we're facing in the world, is uh, no uh, easy task. But the idea that Jung brings to this, to the, to the table, I think is very valuable. And it's this idea that the unconscious holds within a great value um, and it holds within it the possibility of a greater. Uh, and fuller experience of oneself and of the world. So, Stephen, when you talk about the unconscious, that is something that we are not conscious of. So if it is the key, if it holds all of this value, if there is some kind of freedom or, I don't want to use the word enlightenment, whatever it is, if there is something there, how do we access something that we are not aware of? Good, good question with, with no simple answer. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, of course, a hundred years of sort of psychoanalytic theory and research onto it, but I'll try to 
is you know simplified very i mean i mean typically of course this this would happen in uh, analysis with working with the psych analyst uh, in in an analytical setting but of but but the the challenge with that and the kind of uh, difficulty i think of that is that is a very narrow and limited uh, experience and application of the theory uh, mm-hmm. i think your question is how does this have relevance to us and how are we able to access this uh, in our day-to-day lives uh, yes. outside of um, you know clinical outside of the sort of clinical application of these ideas exactly uh, and there's a few ways i mean i obviously you know with the constraint of time i will um keep my comments fairly limited tell you what we're going to do Stephen. we're going to take a quick ad break so you can gather i'm giving you a chance to gather (laughs) your thoughts because i know it's a huge question it's a huge question but you know if we if we if our listeners can just start you know walk away with something like something then then we've taken a huge step forward so a quick break and and then let's return to to the question thanks Stephen. okay great hi fm 101.9 megahertz of life welcome back to the dl link show we're having such an interesting and i would almost say delicious conversation with Stephen farrow who's head of learning co-founder and senior lecturer for the center for applied union studies um I'm a a mind freedom fighter. I love learning about how the mind works. Um, You know, this is what I focus on because I know um, that there's so much freedom um, and and life can change um, so drastically um, when one is aware. But awareness is just that. How does one become aware of that which is happening unconsciously when we're reacting in a certain way, when someone does something or the external world brings us challenges and and um, we we react. Um, are we? Can we break free of those reactions? Can we um, be different in the world? Is it possible? So I asked Stephen a question just before the break because, as Stephen said, and this is what um, union psychology is all about: is is really delving into the unconscious that that holds a, a lot of value. That going beyond that um, and going into, I beg your pardon, the unconscious. You can work so much. There is so much freedom there. So I said to Stephen, so how do we do that? How do we become aware of something that we're not aware of? So Stephen, what do you have to say? Mickey, I, I think that um, what the, the idea of the unconscious offers is this notion that we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do, that yeah. our our conscious awareness is limited to what goes on from uh, in, in, in psych analysis, from a technical perspective, from a sort of an ego perspective. In other words, what we are aware only of our conscious uh, uh, ego perspective of our psyches, but our psyches, our minds are a lot more than just what goes on consciously, that a significant amount of activity, in fact, uh, if we are to um, follow the the data that we received today from, from neuroscience, um, the majority of activity happens at a threshold below consciousness. So the point, the point of this is that the recognition that we are not completely transparent to ourselves. We don't understand and know ourselves to the degree that we typically think we do. And one of the ways we might think about this and one of the ways we might be able to work with this is the... Um, to develop an appreciation that when we uh, when we fall short 
of our ideals when our experience of ourselves on a day-to-day basis um, in our daily lives, in our, in, our, in our vocations, in our relationships, um, when, when some of our behaviors, when some of our relationships and our relatedness um, seem to be at odds with what it is that we consciously uh, espouse, that we consciously subscribe to, um, that these are not meaningless failures. These are not mm-hmm. merely shortcomings or um, uh, merely an inability to enforce our conscious will, as it were. That, that our mistakes, our errors, um, our faux pas, uh, our failures have a meaning from, viewed from a psychological perspective. And they express very often what is going on, an, on at an unconscious level. So one might have, for example, a, you know, one might have a very strong um, intention or desire uh, or belief, but often one may experience, and I think we all do experience, that sometimes our behavior and our lives and our relationships don't reflect that which we sort of pay lip service to, as it were. Mm. And this mm. can often lead, you know, lead us as individuals to kind of um, lose faith in ourselves, become deeply frustrated, become, you know, angry. And, you know, it can lead to a lot of sort of dis- destructive behavior and, and very difficult and negative feelings. What, what uh, psychoanalysis offers is this idea that our behavior um, is not only motivated by our conscious minds, but by our unconscious. And that unconscious has an intentionality, has a meaning, um, has content that is uh, also potentially hugely valuable. Um, and in, from a Jungian perspective, we would say, in fact, it is almost certainly more valuable than the conscious perspective. Hmm. That consciousness is limited, but there is a broader and greater perspective of ourselves and of the events in, in our lives that is offered by the unconscious. But we need to become, uh, you know, we need to open ourselves up to it. And one of the ways in which we can do that is to start to recognize that that which is not going our way, that which is running contrary to our will, uh, may be in some sense meaningful and that we would do well to start paying some attention to it instead of constantly being at war with ourselves over it. Wow, I love the way you put that. I mean, I'm thinking about a quote uh, where Jung says, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely quote, this idea of, of projection that we, 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 we project onto, onto others precisely that about ourselves, which we are unwilling or unable to accept. <laughs> so, mm. you know, the, the, the bad guy is always someone else, you know, <laughs> the nemesis yeah. is always someone else. It's never us. Never um, us. <laughs> but, but when we, when we uh, develop a kind of a, a sensitivity to the fact that we may be projecting some of what Jung would refer to as the, sh- of, of our shadow uh, onto our neighbors, onto uh, our, our nemesis, onto uh, whoever it is that, that irritates and angers us when we start to recognize that maybe that which is irritating and and making us angry is an unaccepted or unacknowledged part of ourselves. Not always, of course, but frequently so. Then that opens up the possibility of greater self-understanding. 
So you just brought up the shadow, which is part of Jung's architects, right? Maybe you can just quickly talk about the architects, if you don't mind. I, I say quickly because, I mean, it's not fair on you, but if you can just break it down for us. Sure, no, with pleasure. Um, I'll, try to, I'll try to give you sort of a, a napkin version of it, <laughs> a on the napkin version. So, so the, the primary archetypes um, that Jung speaks about, I'll just focus on a few now for our purposes, is he speaks about, um, I'll just focus on three, he speaks about the persona, the ego, and the shadow. He speaks about others as well, but let me just start with those three. And the idea is that the ego is your, is your private sense of self, who you, who you really feel and believe yourself to be in the sort of uh, innermost um, recesses of your, of your mind, uh, in, in the privacy of your own home, as it were, um, in you know the, the you that you would describe in a very intimate and honest conversation with a friend, that is your ego identity. It's, it's activity or sense of self. Facing the world, however, we we adopt the, the the archetype of the persona, which is kind of a mask that we wear, um, that we we face the, the world with. And this persona, of course, is. Uh, is ideally adapted to the world in some sense. In other words, it's not to say that the persona is dishonest, but it is an adaptation of who we are that seems to be appropriate, uh, an appropriate and effective way of being in the world and of communicating ourselves to the world around us. And that's kind of the idea of the of the persona or of the uh, uh, the, the the metaphor, the image one can think of is the from classical Greek theater, the mask that the actor dons when yes. they are playing a role. The third archetype in that uh, triptych is the shadow. And the shadow is, is, the, is this unconscious part of ourselves that is not only hidden from the world, but is hidden from ourselves as well. It's that about ourselves, which we have forgotten about, which we, are, um, which we have in, in psychoanalytic terms repressed, but not only that which we've repressed, it's often that which we have never become aware of. So it's a part of, of, of our personalities that is significant uh, and has a significant influence on our lives, but which is unacknowledged both to the world uh, and to ourselves. Thank you for explaining that so so beautifully, Stephen. Let's take a quick break. Um you know, I'm so intrigued and I'm sure there's so many people who are listening right now who want to learn a whole lot more and perhaps you can tell us how we can go about it. So a quick break. We'll, we'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. Stephen Farrer is on the show today. He's head of learning and the co-founder and senior lecturer for the Center for Applied Jungian Studies. And we've been talking about Carl Jung. <clears throat> we've been talking about the idea of this unconscious, of course, um, under the psyches, you you the, the the three components the the ego the personal unconscious and then the the collective unconscious um and uh, you know it's such a vast topic we can't possibly cover all of it but what's so interesting to me is that there is this world um there is this huge part of us that we are simply unaware of part of as Stephen was saying you know the shadow self it's this unconscious it's the hidden from ourselves and the world and 
part of it is repressed and the other part is, you know, we don't know because we simply not aware of it. And yet it holds the key to so much freedom. Um, and and um, very often other people in our lives, um, we're projecting and mirrors and there, there are a whole lot of things happening. And so I, I mentioned a quote a little bit earlier, um, uh, Carl Jung quotes. I mean, there are most amazing quotes. Um, but also uh, what another quote that I absolutely love of his is when he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So this is the last question that I have for you, Stephen, for a person to become aware, to be conscious of the unconscious, do they need to go for hours and hours of therapy? Would they be able to get a lot of value from coming along and studying? Because you'll tell us a little bit more about what you do, studying these Jungian ideas. Is there freedom in, in just the studying of it? Yes, I think there is. I would just add the caveat that uh, provided it is applied, provided it's not purely a yeah, kind of theoretical of or academic uh, process, but provided that the person who engages in the study actually applies it to their own uh, life and existence. So yes, my, my, the, the short answer to that would be yes. And, uh, and of course, um, uh, you know, we welcome anyone to take a look at the programs that we offer. And they can find it on our website, which is very simple to find, appliedjung.com. But there's also a vast amount of literature out there in the field, Jungian literature, that is uh, aimed at the non-specialist, non-technical literature that people can take a look at. And yes, I think there's great value in studying uh, and reading more on Jungian psychology or taking a look at one of our programs. Um, and uh, it's not an easy or simple road but it's one that is uh, infinitely valuable and um, incredibly rich and interesting. Very quickly, Stephen, how long are these programs? Well, we have a number of dif uh, different programs, Nikki, anything from a couple of weeks uh, up to 12 months. Okay. So, so we, and we, you know, in, in various fields, so depending on the particular field of interest uh, of the person, there are a number of programs that they might look at that uh, would, you know, hopefully suit their uh, personal circumstances and interests. Okay, so, and, and do you offer them online? We do, we do offer them online. We used to teach in the real world as well in South Africa, <laughs> Cape Town and Joburg, but since the onset of the pandemic, we've moved everything at the moment uh, online. We do hope to teach in the physical world again at some point though. But at the, the moment, physical, yes, everything is on. The real world. Or we don't know if it's the real world, but <laughs> but but we get it. Oh, Stephen, fantastic. If you can just very quickly, before we say goodbye, direct us to your your website. It's appliedjung.com. Uh, applied. So A-P-P-L-I-E-D, J-U-N-G, appliedjung.com. Wonderful. Stephen, so fascinating. I wish we could chat a whole lot more about this but thanks for for spending time and explaining it so clearly to our listeners we do appreciate my, my, it my great pleasure nikki thank you so much for the invite